Welcome back to our teaching in the book of 1 Peter. Now, the last time we were here, we were dealing with the basic salutation and the introductory heading of this epistle. That is, Peter introducing himself as well as the recipients of this letter, who were the Jewish Christians who had been scattered abroad because of the persecutions that we can read about in Acts 7, Acts 8, as well as Acts chapter 12. And now, even though we didn't get into the very heart of this letter, we did, in a premature sense, talk about the very reason to the which why Peter wrote this epistle in the first place, which was to encourage them in their obedience, even under persecution in a world that persecutes them. All right. But that particular part, hopefully the Lord says the same. We'll get into that today. But nevertheless, what Peter opened up and talking about was to who the to, to these individuals, these Jewish Christians, whom they were, that is, they were elect chosen by the foreknowledge of God. God's intent in choosing them, as we say oftentimes, even before the foundation of the world. So this is something that is undeserved and also something that is praiseworthy. And God chose them unto not just simply election, but salvation. And that salvation is to be understood in the sense of a glorif glorification type of a sense. And when we say glorification, that is, and what Peter is also saying too, at the revelation of Jesus, all that God has for his people, they will receive. And this is what Peter calls this inheritance of the saints. And also he uses that term of inheritance, salvation, that's what Jesus will bring. So in a very difficult world that don't lose hope. And that's what Peter was saying early in this heading. Do not lose hope because God himself has established an inheritance for you. God has preordained an inheritance for you. And he has done this by giving you hope. That is the hope as you reflect in the resurrection of Jesus himself. Jesus did not remain dead, but God resurrected Jesus from the dead and gave him glory. And all of this for you. So therefore you can look at these, this particular situation, what God has done. God did not leave you hopeless in that, in the sense of Christ being left dead, but God gave hope. He resurrected him from the dead, but not only hope, but glory as Jesus resurrected and even ascended to the right hand of God. And so Paul, I'm sorry, <laughs> Peter continued to talk about this issue of this salvation. So we stopped at verse number five, so we'll continue on in verse number six. Hopefully, we can finish basically all of chapter one or the primary idea of chapter one, all right? But let, let us just go ahead and continue on, starting in verse number six, dealing with this issue of this salvation. That is, he is not talking about, remember, go back and check out the last video, the previous video that I did. Peter is not talking about the salvation experience that a Christian undergoes, that a person, that an individual undergoes when they initially receive Christ as Savior. Peter is using salvation from the sense of that ultimate culmination of all of the glory that God's people will receive 
at the appearance of Jesus Christ. So when Jesus appears, this salvation, this glory, this fullness of experience, the fullness of what salvation brings will be experienced at the coming of Jesus. And this is what Peter is talking about when he refers to here as salvation. But let's continue in verse number six. In this, you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials, so that the proof of your faith, being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not see him now, but believe in him, you greatly rejoice with, with joy inexpressible and full of glory as ob obtaining as the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Again, now we talked about this in the previous video. The language that Peter uses can be quite thick. So let us just simply look at it one verse at a time and explain it as we move through it. Explain it in the context and what Peter is trying to say. Okay, so what was he saying? He has already talked about this salvation, the salvation that the believer, and remember what we said about this. These were the Jewish Christians. Peter's talking to the Jewish Christian, but there are applications of this that applies to all believers. And so you'll hear me again sometimes say that you or we will receive when it has application to all believers. But when it does have application to simply the Jewish believers and Jewish believers only, we'll stop and make a notation of that as well. All right, but let's go back to verse number six. So he was saying, what about this salvation? That is the this uh, not the initial salvation of our confession of faith in Jesus Christ, but that salvific hope, that salvation of hope that we have that culminates when Jesus comes and all of the blessings that he will give unto his people. What about it? In this, you greatly rejoice, even though now. So, so the idea is, is dealing with it in the anticipation of hope as we look forward, and even these Jewish Christians, we're looking forward to the hope of salvation, all of the blessings that God would give them at the coming of Jesus Christ. But now in verse number six, we are at the very heart and theme and purpose of first Peter, of Peter's writing this epistle in the first place. That is the sufferings, the sufferings that they are enduring at the time. Okay. So he's getting ready to talk about, it's going to be two points here in verse number six. And then later on, he's going to bring out another point concerning obedience. But the point is they are looking forward to the blessedness that they would have at the coming of Jesus Christ. Although now for the present moment, verse number six, if necessary, you are distressed by various trials. Now I like that, but number one, notice what he says. If necessary, we understand the point where Peter is saying is this, and I talked about this in the previous video, so I'll kind of give a shout out to it even as now, that if necessary, there are times when sufferings are in accordance to the will of God. And so that's when we can understand that inference when it means if 
necessary. That is, God sometimes allows his people to suffer. We don't always know God's reason, and we don't always know the motivation of God in allowing his people to suffer, but God does allow. It is a biblical principle that God allows his people to suffer. As Paul even said, if there's no suffering, there is no reigning with Christ. And even again, the writer of Hebrews says, well, for we have been called to suffer for this thing, for the sake of Christ. But anyway, but the point is, so it is the, what Peter is uh, pointing out is the present time, the present sense time is a time of suffering. And this suffering comes through various trials, through many different situations and many different things that happen in the life of the believer, causing the believer to suffer. This happens oftentimes. I can even dare say all of the time by the will of God. And why I say even dare say by the will of all the time by the will of God, God is sovereign. And whatever happens in the life of the believer, those who put their faith in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, it happens according to the will of God. God has the power to restrain any evil, any wickedness that may come upon the life of the believer. For example, go to Job. What do we see uh, when there is a day when the sons of God were appearing? This is Job 1 and 2, but basically Job chapter 1, when the sons of God were appearing before God and there Satan entered amongst them and, and all of a sudden God uh, brought God himself. Now, I don't want to get into a lot of details, but it is interesting to understand. God himself brought Job up to the attention of Satan. Have you, Satan, considered my servant Job? And God talked about his faithfulness. But the point that I'm trying to bring here is, notice what Job said. You have placed a hedge about him. In other words, I have tried to come to Job to harm Job in some way, but you have, up to this point, have been protecting him. And this goes to the point that we were talking about in 1 Peter chapter 6. It is sometimes necessary for these trials. And when these trials do come, they always come because of the permission of our God, even in the times of suffering. And this is what he's saying. So verse number seven, and what is the point of these trials that cause us to suffer? Verse seven, so that the proof of your faith being more precious than gold or silver, even though tested by fire, may found may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Christ Jesus. So all he's saying is this, so that the proof of your faith. Now, the word proof that we see here is document. And I like that word. I like that word. Paul uses the negative sense of that word in 1 Corinthians 9 and 27, but we're not going to deal with that. But it deals with that which is acceptable before God. So the acceptable, uh, not so much acceptable behavior, but the accent, but the sense of the acceptable passing of a test. And that is the idea. Your behavior, which is acceptable in the sight of God in passing a test. Notice what he's been talking about. The difficulty that come about. Verse number six, we rejoice looking forward to the coming of Jesus Christ, even though in this life for a little while, what is necessary that we are distressed in different types of trials. 
We go through different hardships. Why? So that once we pass the test, when we, when God allows these difficulties to come upon us, he wants to see us pass the test. He wants us to, you, how did it say concerning Job in all, in the testing that Job did? This is the earlier part of chapter one. In all that Job did, he passed the test and did not sin against God. And this is that idea of document that is talking about the passing of the test when you are undergoing a difficult trial and God is well pleased. And this is what it's saying. So that there may be this proof of our faith, this acceptability and that we pass the test of our faith. What faith? Our faith. And this is what he talks about. Uh, um, that's better than silver and gold, silver and gold, and though tested by fire. And in the idea of tested by fire, it speaks once again of the difficulties. Sometimes there are difficulties that are not so trying. And then there are other times when God will allow very difficult times to come up, come upon us to test our faith. And this is why he said, even though as by fire, but the whole point is it may be found to result to the praise and glory and honor of God at the revelation of Jesus. That is when Jesus comes back, that it will be praise for God as, as well as our Lord Jesus Christ, for we live and we die even unto him. When our conduct when the Lord looks at how we lived our lives, even through distressing and tempting situations, he can say unto us, what did he say? Well done, good and faithful servant. So at the coming of Jesus Christ, Jesus will be able not only to praise us and not only have what we done, the life that we live has been a praiseworthy life unto God. But when Jesus reveals is revealed, that is the coming of Jesus, he'll reward us. He'll be pleased with us at our lives because what the difficulties, the testing of life that we underwent, Jesus will say unto us in a very simplistic way, you did good. And who of us does not want to hear our master say when he looks at us, I want Jesus to say when he look, looks at me, he knows everything. He knows all of our trials. He knows your open trials, your trials before people, and he knows your secret trials, your trials that only you yourself know about. Don't you want Jesus? I want Jesus to look at me and say, well done. You did well to stand up under these temptations. And in the end, Dokimos, you pass the test. And this is what Peter is saying. So we go through difficulties, but we do all of these things so that at the appearance of our Lord, he can tell us you did well in undergoing even severe trials. What? Verse number uh, uh, eight. And even though you have not seen him, you love him. That is what, that is the motivation. What is that? So he says, even to these particular Christians, and I'm going to try not to get too excited to these particular Christians, Peter saw Jesus, but they have not seen Jesus. 
And even having not seen Jesus, there is that hope, that hope that one day they will see Jesus and one day they want to be approved by Jesus. They want that well done uh, accommodation by Jesus. And so Jesus says the motivation, what? Even though you have not seen him, what is the motivation? Love him. You love him. And it takes us all the way back where Jesus said what? And if you do love me, we're going to talk about that later. We'll talk about that later. You keep my commandments. You haven't seen him. You love him. And even though you don't see him, even now, you still believe in him. I believe that one day I will see my Lord and even that sense of in seeing the Lord, you will be judged by the Lord. Why? Because we're talking about all of these temptations that the believer go through and we want that uh, these temptations that we go through, we want to have a final approval by God. You greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. That is the looking forward to seeing Jesus one day and Jesus giving us a wonderful commendation. Never have seen it. You and I have never seen Jesus, but nevertheless, we are one day looking forward. There's a song that says, when I see Jesus, Amen. And when we do see Jesus, we want our Lord to be ever so proud of us. And then, then thus he says, what? Obtaining, verse number nine, obtaining as the outcome of your faith, salvation of your soul. Obtaining as the outcome of your faith. Looking back, how you lived your life, once again, that document, that being acceptable, coming under trials and tribulations and difficulties and temptations, how did you live your life? What is the judgment of God? Will God, that is our Lord Jesus Christ, will he say, well done? Will he say, well done? If you have been looking forward to his coming, if you truly love him, even though you have not seen him, what? What is that outcome of your faith? You will overcome these temptations. Even though there are severe trials, you will pass the test and it will result. It will result in what? The salvation of your soul. And once again, what is the point? Salvation is not about the initial belief of the person to salvation. It's not about getting saved. It's about what is the end result of how Jesus will bless you when he sees you. So what does he say? He gave unto one this, he gave unto one that, and then he says, what? Be faithful until I come. What is Peter saying even here? Peter is saying, and in the times in which Jesus is gone away and he expects you to be faithful, there will be great trials. There will be great tribulations. These are the testings. These are the testing to the which when Jesus returns, you want him to find your life, how you've lived your life, to be approved by him. And this will result in the salvation of your soul. And Jesus says, because you have been faithful over a few things, I will make you ruler over many. So what Jesus says, because of your faithfulness in your life, I will reward you in this life, in the, at my appearance, at the time that Jesus appears. And this is what Peter is talking about in verse number nine, when he talks about the salvation of your soul. He's talking about the consummation to the which 
when Jesus returns, what Jesus will do for those who were faithful to him, who underwent great temptations and passed the test. Okay. All right. That was the blessings of Jesus. All right. But anyway, so now let's continue. Verse number 10. I don't know if we're going to be able to do all of chapter one now. As to this salvation, what? The prophets who prophesied of the grace that would come to you made careful searches and inquiries seeking to know what person or time the spirit of Christ within them was indicating as he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories to follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you in these things which have now been announced to you through those who preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. Okay, so what is he saying? Even verse number nine about this salvation. Now, what Peter is doing here is this. He speaks of salvation. Now, remember, Peter has been using salvation in a type of a globalistic type of a way, not in the sense, as we've been pointing out here, not in the sense of the initial belief, believing that when I believe that Jesus is Lord, he is God from heaven, taken human form, died for my sin, rose from the dead. Now you're saved. Okay. He is not dealing with that. Peter has been dealing ultimately in a holistic type sense of the salvation that comes from that moment of confession all of your life, living that life, even under sometimes great duress, that is the temptation that Peter has been talking about, the test that we want to pass, even to the point when Jesus appears, and when Jesus appears, he judges our works and then reward those works. He rewards a faithful life. So in that sense, he is talking about salvation. You got it? the whole of all of that. Now, concerning such salvation, that's why it talks about verse number uh, 10. As to this salvation, notice, not the point in which you first believe, but all of these things. As to this salvation, pointing even back, pointing back to when we first believed, even pointing back is holistically, but pointing back to when we first believed because as to this salvation, what? Let's just talk about it. The prophets who prophesied of the grace that would come to you made careful searches and inquiries, seeking to know what person or time the spirit of Christ within them was indicating as he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories to follow. In other words, what he's saying is this concerning that salvation, all of the, the salvation that we have today. All right. Is, and even for these Christians, <laughs> same idea, is realized in the person of Jesus Christ. The prophets of old, say for instance, whether it's Jeremiah, Zechariah, Hosea, or whatever, the prophets of old, they spoke of the time of the revelation of the salvation. That is, they were looking forward to a time when the Messiah would appear and the Messiah would bring about salvation. You understand that? The Coleman, you see, it is not to say, because this part can be confusing, so I guess I need to take my time. It's not so much talking about 
uh, the salvation in the saving of the soul. Say, for instance, Abraham was saved in the sense Abraham's soul was saved. But the reality of salvation, the consummation of salvation was not realized in Abraham's day. Isaiah, Jeremiah, Hosea, these were all saved people, but the consummation, the realization of that salvation did not come to pass. Why? Because the salvation can only be realized, come to pass in the Messiah. The Messiah had to be born, had to die for sins, resurrect from the dead. And in his resurrection from the dead, this gives hope of the final, the final, the full realization of salvation, the full realization of all of the blessings that God would give his people. But this can only come when the Messiah would come. You got it? So what is he saying in verse number 10? As to this salvation, that is that which only the Messiah would bring at his time, what? The prophets who prophesied this grace made searches and inquiries. That is, they were looking forward to this time. They wondered about this time. Abraham looked forward to that seed that God spoke about. Isaiah looked forward to that son, unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given. Ezekiel looked forward to that time when he would come, when that branch would come. Isaiah looked forward to the time of the branch who would come. All of them in some way were looking forward. Notice what he said in verse number 11, seeking to know what person or time the spirit of Christ was indicating. In other words, they were looking forward to who would be, when will the Christ appear? Who would bring this salvation? Who would be the Christ? And we see such type of thing in, during the time of John the Baptist. Now remember when when John the Baptist came and John was preaching and teaching and things of that nature by, and baptizing by the Jordan and the religious leaders came to, to look at John and they began to question John, wondering who was he and what did John say? I am not the Christ. So the point is, these prophets, as Peter was saying, they spoke about the Christ. And so even though they were speaking about the Christ, they were wondering, they were looking down and said, I wonder who the Christ will be. And that is the person of the Christ in verse number 11 or the time. I wonder when will the Messiah appear? Why? Because whoever this person is and when he appears, he will bring in this salvation that we're talking about. He will bring in all of this goodness of God, this realization of what God has for his people. But anyway, let's go back to 11. So even what the point is, the prophets of old were looking forward to the time which the Christ, who will be the Christ? And when will he come? As they themselves spoke about what? They predicted how, we see this in Isaiah 53, how the Christ, that the Messiah would suffer, and also we see this in Isaiah 53, as well as in the Psalms, 
how both that the Christ will suffer and even later to be glorified. So the point is, this salvation that, that Peter is saying to these people, he said, you're suffering for the moment, all right? But you love the Lord Jesus Christ, who you have not seen, but still you set your hope in him because you know, and I am saying to you, once the Christ does appear again, the fullness of this salvation you will receive. And even concerning this beautiful salvation, the consummation of the ages, the glory of the saints and the sons of God, Paul in Romans chapter eight, that you, that you will receive concerning all of this thing, even the prophets of old who spoke about the Christ and how he would bring about these things, they were wondering what man would be the Christ and even at what time the Christ himself would be born and do all of these things. They desire to look to these things as they themselves waited in hope for this consummation of salvation. And then he begins to say in verse number 12, for this, this uh, prophecy, this revealing of the Christ and the salvation that he, would, that he would bring, verse number 12, it was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you in these things which have been announced through the preaching of the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit, things into which angels long to look. In other words, the prophets, under, they understood that even though God gave them this revelation, even so much as to the sufferings of the Messiah and the later glory of the Messiah, and in his glorification, he will bring this wonderful salvation, this consummation of salvation. He'll bring an end to all of the hardships in the life of his people. They were looking for that person. They were looking for the time in which that Messiah would be revealed and God allowed them to understand, I will give you prophets and holy men of old. I will give you this knowledge, but this revelation of Jesus the Messiah, we know it would be Jesus the Messiah, but the revelation of the Messiah when he would do these things is not for you. It is not for your generation. So in other words, God was giving the prophets the knowledge of the Christ, but he was also letting them know it was not for them. The Christ would be would not be revealed in their time and in their generation. And this is what he said. They were not serving themselves with these prophetic utterances, but what these prophetic utterances basically were for your benefit. Why? Because the Christ has been given in your time. And that's what he's saying. But for you and what is now happening now, the message of the Messiah, the message that the one that the prophets have been looking for, the one that whom everybody has said, when he comes, he will give these blessings. These were always the mindset of the disciples of Jesus. When will you restore Israel? When will you bless Israel? And they would do all of these crazy things because they thought that in the lifetime of Jesus, 
before his death on the cross that Jesus would be the Messiah to the world. But this is not the case. But let me go on. Let me go. Let me go. Because I don't want to get too far in that left field. But the whole point is they were looking for the coming of the Messiah. These prophets were. They understood that it was not in their generation, but all of these things that the prophets were looking for, the coming of the Messiah, who would bring about these, this fullness blessing of salvation. This was not for them. This actually came for you. And this message is now being announced to you through the preaching of the gospel. We are saying to you what? Jesus, our Lord, has been born. Even though, here's the idea, even though that fullness of salvation has not come yet, notice the context of what Peter has been talking about. Even if it is necessary for the moment that you undergo severe testings and trials, but nevertheless, you have a hope, a hope in the future of Christ, the one whom you have never seen but you still love, and even though you don't see him now, you yet believe in him. And that is the point. It is in this Christ that we have the ultimate fulfillment of this hope, right? Even this hope, what? That the prophets talked about, but it wasn't for them. It's actually for you because Jesus has now been born and these things are being enacted in him. Not right now. Why? Even right now we're suffering, but in time at the revelation of Jesus Christ, you will receive the fullness of this salvation. You got it? And in all of these workings, he finally ends verse number 12. He says, even such things that the angels desire to look into. And that deals with that verb that literally means to stoop over and intently gaze upon. So what he's simply saying is this, even in the working of salvation and how things work through the passage of time, as God fulfills his words uh, uh, that will ultimately result in the glorification of the believers, the glorification of the believers. The angels themselves don't really understand all of how this thing will work out. So what they are doing is as they participate themselves and God uses men like prophets and things of that nature, they watch as the whole story of salvation plays out. And they, and they look in a sense of amazement and say, that's what God is doing, okay? So this whole process of bringing about salvation in the fullness, even angels are interested to see how it plays out. But the whole point that Peter is saying here is, we look and we wait for that moment when salvation is has come to us in the fullness brought about at the revelation of Jesus, even though now we suffer at the moment and those sufferings can be great, even tested with fire. All right. So what does he say? Verse number 13. And so now let's see how far we've been going so far. All right. Let's go a little farther. 
And so now we're about to get into the heart of Peter's message. So what do we have thus far? The point is, Peter is speaking to the elect people of God in this world. Those who love the Lord Jesus Christ and are waiting for his appearance once again. And Peter says, you have, you, it's necessary. It is the will of God that we suffer. And sometimes that suffering can be great. Okay. But our suffering is, is not in vain. Our suffering is for the approval of God. That is so that Jesus may say unto us, you have really done well. So that when Jesus does finally appear, all of the blessings he has, uh, uh, he has for the believer, for those who have been proven faithful until Jesus comes back, Jesus can literally give you those blessings at that time. All right. And he says, simply says at the very end, even stuff that the prophets talked about and even angels are interested in. So even though we are awaiting Jesus and we suffer, the whole point that Peter is talking about is that we are awaiting the appearance of Jesus. And when Jesus comes back, we are waiting for Jesus. And when Jesus comes back, we all will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Jesus will reward us looking for the return of Jesus. Now, in verse number 13, it deals with the practical sense. That's why I was telling you guys earlier how the letter of 1 Peter is a practical letter. And the sense that, that Peter's about to establish here is this. You know, we go through a lot of stuff, go through a lot of temptations, and things are tough sometimes. How should you conduct yourselves? When the things get bad, do you just mess up or do you just simply hold on? And why are you holding on in such a way? And why do you want to make certain that you pass the test in life? And why do you want to make certain that you live a life that Jesus is that Jesus approves of? So when he gets back, he'll reward you. He'll say, well done. So what should you do in the passage of time? What should you do during all of these difficulties? Verse 13. Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Keep sober in spirit. Fix your hope completely on the grace to, you see, it's a beautiful thing, on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the former lusts which were yours in your ignorance, but like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves in all your behavior because it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. Now, this part, even though we're line by line it, but this is not difficult at all. This now brings together the concept of what first Peter is all about. Suffering. You are suffering in this present life, but we're suffering in hope. Suffering in hope, the hope of what? That at the return of Jesus, he will bless us, right? So therefore what? This is verse number 13. This is the, the bring, bringing it together, the theme of Peter. So how should you live your life now? Even in times of suffering, suffering in this present world, 
How should you live your life as you await the coming of Jesus? And that's what he talks about 13. Therefore, what? Prepare your minds for actions. Keep sober. Pre okay, prepare yourself. I know I'm going to suffer. And I know I got to wait till Jesus come back. Be sober. Sober always deals with don't be influenced by the foolishness of your of this world. And again, don't be influenced by the foolishness of your flesh. That's why it talks about do not be conformed to the former lust, former lust, the evil, the wickedness, the stupidity in how we used to live before we got saved. Live with something in your, I want to live a certain way. Knowing Jesus is going to come back. But let's just go back to the text. Be prepared in your mind. So fix and prepare in your mind. Fix your hope. I like this. Fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. In other words, I, I, I think John P. Key said it this way. And I think this fits right here when he says, fix your hope completely on the grace that is to be bought at the revelation of Jesus Christ. John P. Key said it this way. Uh, uh, I'm living my life just to live again. And with the Lord, I know that I shall win. But the whole point of that song is Jesus will welcome me home. I think that's the name of that song. And what John was saying was, I'm living this way because one day I'm going to meet Jesus. And what? I want him to welcome me home. So he's saying what? Be, fix your hope completely. Don't concentrate on this life. Don't worry about the things that you are suffering. Set your mind on the future when Jesus is going to come back. Why? Because this gives you a sober mind. How do I need to act? How do I need to live and how do I need to respond to whatever the troubles are and the situation is in my life? Because I'm thinking about what is Jesus going to say to me when he gets back on the revelation of Jesus Christ? And how do we want to be? That's when verse number 14 talks about what? Like obedient children, obedient children, not conformed to our former way of life. We don't want to live like we used to live when we already know what that is in sin. We want to we want to live in this life while Jesus away in a way that pleases him. And when the stuff hits the fan, difficulties come, temptations come. Let's go back to that word document. We want to pass the test. We want God to be approved of us so that when Jesus comes back, he will say, well done. What good and faithful servant. Notice what Peter says, obedient children. Jesus would be able to say what? You have been a good and faithful, obedient child of mine. We don't want to live like we used to live before our days of salvation. But what does he say? The manner of our lifestyle, no matter what, even under temptations, the manner of our lifestyle, verse 15 and 16, should be one of holiness, a holiness that reflects the person and nature of God. And that's why he, uh, he goes back to when God says in Leviticus 11 and 44, you shall therefore sanctify yourselves and be holy for I am 
holy. So therefore, our lifestyles should be one of holiness because what? Our God is holy. So what Peter is simply saying is this. We should have a sober mind that while Jesus is gone, no matter what is going on in our life, we want to live holy so that Jesus will be pleased with us as obedient children. Why? God himself is holy. So therefore, it is incumbent upon us to be holy. Verse number 17. And if you address as father, the one who impartially judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves in fear during the time of your stay on earth. See, see how it's all working? Same thing. He's saying the same thing. Knowing that you were not redeemed with perishable things like silver, and, silver or gold from your futile way of life inherited from your fathers, forefathers, but with the precious blood as of a lamb unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ. Now, basically, he's saying the same thing. This part is not difficult. So what is he saying? So if you're saying that God is your father, if you address as God as your father, I'm saying, if you are saying, I'm saved and God is my father, you understand that there will be a judgment. He will judge all men through the son, Jesus, at his appearance. But how will that judgment, what will be the quality and nature? How is that judgment? It is impartial. That is, God doesn't care who you are. He's going to judge according to his holiness. He's going to judge and he's going to judge every man according to his works. So therefore, what should this instill inside of us? Conduct yourselves in fear during your time on earth. In other words, we, since while Jesus is gone, keep in mind, this is that soberness that he's talking about. You want to live in a way that pleases God. Why? At the appearance of Jesus, he will, he will judge every person impartially according to their works. And if, notice that if you address God as father, if God is indeed your father, you want to live a life that pleases him, a life in fear. In fear of why? Because he's going to judge you while you are alive on this earth. All right. Why? Because what? That you, you call God your father, that redemption that God, the, the price, the price that was paid to bring you into this relationship. That's what he talks about, that redemption. You were not redeemed with such things as silver and gold. Mm -mm. Even though that is valuable in this world sense, we were redeemed with something that has far more infinite value. That is the blood of Jesus the Messiah. This is the only thing that can redeem a person, the blood of Jesus. And then he makes this statement. Now notice, uh, uh, redeemed from the futile way of life inherited from your forefathers. Now this is Jewish. All right. What is he talking about? The futile way of life. Jesus, I'm sorry. Peter here is talking about now uh, Pharisaic Judaism, okay? Mishnaic Judaism. Now, I know I use a term that you may not be familiar with, but let me just simply say it this way. Remember back in the Gospels when they, uh, they would have all of these rules, like 
concerning the Sabbath day. You couldn't carry your pallet on the Sabbath day. You couldn't do this on the Sabbath day. Remember when Jesus made mud and put it on the man's eyes and, and they had a problem with that because they considered the making of clay to put on the man's eyes, uh, work on the Sabbath day. All of these rules, this, this was, this was, this, what was referred to as Mishnaic Judaism or Pharisaic Judaism. You got it? This is what Peter is talking about. All of these rules, none of them saved you. The only thing that truly saved you was what? The blood of Jesus Christ. So you were redeemed, you were redeemed from the futility of following after things that couldn't even save you. So it brings in the sense of what? Appreciation. And if you are appreciating Jesus, if you are loving Jesus for what he does, what will you do? The context even here, you will obey Jesus. You'll try to live a life that pleases Jesus. Even so much having a life living in fear. Why? Because he will judge you for all things when he returns. Okay. But anyway, but let's go on. Verse number 20 and 21. And we're going to stop at 20 and 21 because that kind of seals up the idea of the point that Peter is trying to make as he opens up his epistles. All right. We'll talk about that at the end of this video. For he, Jesus, was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but has appeared in these last times for the sake of you who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. And so then he continues on. Remember, we talked about that redemption that they have by the blood of Jesus. Tell me about this redemption in blood of Jesus. That is how that it is the mindset of God that the second person of the divine Trinity would be made flesh give his life for sin and bring a people unto God through that act. That's what he talks about, how he was foreknown before the foundation of the world. This was the plan of God that Jesus should die for the sins of the world and redeem a particular people for God. And even what this has taken place now in our time has appeared in these last times for you. What about, what about us? And we are believers, even those Jewish people, believers of God through what Jesus has done for us. And again, that whole theme, we are not hopeless. Why? God did not leave Jesus dead as a dead sacrifice, but God resurrected him from the dead. This gives hope. And in the resurrection of Jesus, as it gives hope, we have hope because our hope is in him. Our hope in the sense of what? Even though we go through all the difficult trials of life, we want to live an obedient life. We want to live soberly. We want to live in fear of God because we know at the revelation of Jesus, he will judge all of our works. And what do we want? We want to experience the fullness of the salvation that Christ has for us. 
We want Jesus to say, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. Behold, I will make you ruler over many. And this is what Peter is trying to say. So as we end here, and I'm going to start right here, we now deal with the point of Peter's letter. He's simply saying to the believers, those Jewish Christians who have been scattered throughout all of the world, what? I know you're going to go through many difficulties and many hardships, but these things will come because of the sovereign will of God. Why? Because God wants to allow you to go through these things so that your faith may be approved and God will be able to say unto you, you through the person of Jesus Christ, well done. You did really good. So therefore, what? Have some sense in your mind. Get yourself together. Don't be overcome by situations, but put your mind steadfast, not on this life and the sufferings of this life, but put your mind steadfast, fix it on the day that Jesus appears. I am not living my life for today, John Peach Key says. I'm living my life so that I can live again. So when the Lord appears, I will win. He'll say unto me, well done. And Peter says, and this understanding, this soberness of life that we need to have, how should you live a holy life? as obedient children, because God himself is holy. This is the expectation of his children and maintain this hope in you and this hope in you. Why? Because you ain't looking at a dead Christ. You are looking at a resurrected Christ. So you know when Jesus finally does appear, he'll bless you. He'll reward you. And this is that definition of the salvation that Peter was talking about. Okay, so this ends our video here and it prepares us further for what Peter is going to talk about. And that is how now should we live? You could, the difficulties in all of the difficulties of life, Christian people focus on Jesus. How should you live? And this is why I said I like the, uh, the first Peter. It talks about the practical application. Live how? Do this. Do that. Do this. And do that. Live this way. And this one, and, and, and all of these things that Peter is going to bring about is going to be dealing with things that can be challenging. It's challenging to live this way, but nevertheless, you live this way. Why? So that when Jesus appears, he'll tell you, well done. All right. Thank you guys for joining me thus far. And actually, first Peter one should probably stop right there. And then they begin first Peter chapter two, but we still got some more to go in first Peter chapter one. But thanks for joining me in all of that. Now, if you can say, Pastor Lee, thank you <laughs> for all of these things. And I know it is really a, a, a lot to talk about. We start dealing with these particular letters of Peter, even in the letters of Paul, when you start dealing with all of these doctrinal issues and looking at them up close. But if you can say, Pastor Lee, thank you for all of these teachings, this particular teaching and even all of the teachings. 
And if God is blessing and touching your mind and your heart and saying, you know what? I want to join you and I want to help you in this ministry so that you can keep on doing what you doing. Hmm. There's a link in the description that all, it's always there that you can use to support this ministry. And I'm asking you, if God does touch your heart, bless this ministry. And you know what, guys? I want to say this. I, I want to say, let me say this. I want to do this as we do in these videos. Allow me from this point forward, I want to try to remember it from this point forward to try to remember, try to end our videos with a prayer, not just the teachings of the word of God, but also uh, uh, um, the helping God. We want God to help us to live the life that he is telling us to live. So let's end with a prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for what Peter has been saying and what we are trying to understand in this epistle of Peter. And Lord, you know how we go through difficult times and Sometimes people, I've heard some people saying, why did God do this? And why did God do that? Or why did God allow this? Notice what Peter is saying. God, it's necessary. Guess what he will do? He will test your faith, but he is not testing your faith that you might fall. He is testing your faith that your faith may be approved so that at the coming of Jesus, Jesus can say, you did so good in passing this test. So Lord, bless us. Lord, help us. And Lord, strengthen us to pass the test that we have to undergo through in this life. And we want to remember, Peter said this, and I like this, fix your mind on the return of Jesus. You know, Father, sometimes, and you know, I go through that same crap too, you know, life gets good. Life can be good and, and, and even sometimes in the difficulty, but especially in the goodness of life when things are going so well. Remember what Moses warned the children of Israel? He said, now when you go into the land and you uh, 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 eat of trees, fruit trees, and ha have houses that you did not build and all of the goodness of this land. Remember he said, be careful that you do not forget God. And notice what Peter says, fix your mind, be sober for the revelation of Jesus. No matter what is going on, Lord, help us to always remember this life that we are living is transitory. It's only for a short time, but we are gonna live our life. Help us, Lord, help us, Lord, to live our lives in such a way so that we are looking forward to the coming of Jesus. And when Jesus comes back, all we want to hear him say is, well done. All right, guys, God bless you. Thank you. See you next video.